Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV across the state of Mississippi. We are coming to you on the Supertalk Mississippi radio network. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. So, real quick. The, the that intro thing that was my bad. Uh, they ran a best of for Rebecca. I had I forgot to to pull up a lever. So mm-hmm. if you missed the first half of our intro, that that's on me. Hand up. That is not why Brian Haydad's laughing though. Okay, uh, La- laughing? Who, who's laughing? <laughs> Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. Uh, PearlRiverResort dot com. Nobody's laughing here. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Seaspire Country. Again, 601-879-4395. I want to read you a text message that I sent at 2.57. So that was uh, that was 11 minutes ago. To my good friend Brian Haydad, it said, Is Mike Bobo really an option at OC? And he sent me a message that said, Tune in to find out. And so since I am tuned in and all of you are tuned in, I'll just ask the question on the air. Brian Haydad, is Mike Bobo really a candidate or more than that for offensive coordinator at Mississippi State? Yes. Has Mike Bobo been hired? No. No. Has not been hired. No. But this is a lot of, there's, this is, this is a real, well, we we're we're on sickos alert here. You know, we we we, we this this is, could could be happening. Could very easily be happening. 
uh, here in Starkville. That, you know, about what? About an hour after we went off the air. Thanks a lot, Kendall Bryles. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you could have given us that content at five o'clock, but you had to wait till seven. We don't appreciate that. And you know, okay, so Bryles is out. Move on to the next guy, and the next group of names was not very promising. Among them, Mike Bobo, and then today, from what I am, I have learned, uh, and what I have heard, that Mike Bobo is a very, very real option to be the next offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Man, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's a disaster. You, who, who are you trying to sell on that? You're preaching to the choir, my friend. And, and look, this is, okay, I, I feel like this caveat is necessary Simply for the reason that there are people who are Mississippi State fans that if they hear me talking about Mississippi State and it's not in an over-the-top positive fashion, well, he's just a you know rebel, blah, 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 blah. That's fine. It, it, feel however you want to. I would direct you to the show from two years ago when it was announced by Auburn that Mike Bobo was going to be the saving grace offensive coordinator for Brian Harson's staff. If there was any question as to whether or not the tenure at Brian, uh, of Brian Harson was going to end at Auburn, all doubt was erased when it was announced that Mike Bobo was going to be his offensive coordinator. I would love for you to point to me, and look, I'm not trying to like throw cold water on this. I mean, if it's going to happen, okay, great. I'm... I'm not mad at Mississippi State if they hire Mike Bobo. I'm just telling you it's going to be an unmitigated disaster because those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Point to me one place in Mike Bobo's coaching career where the offense was better once he became the offensive coordinator or he became the head coach. Let me walk you through his career. GA at Georgia in 1999. Then he became the quarterbacks coach at Jacksonville State in 2000. Then he was the quarterbacks coach from 2001 to 2006 at Georgia. They were fine offensively in that window. Offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Georgia 2007 to 2014. They were okay, but they were just okay. And they were so okay that ultimately Mark Richt was let go despite recruiting at a really high level and never winning enough. And then he was the head coach for four years at Colorado State and went 28-38 and and began that program on the descent that it still finds itself in today. And then in 2020, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at South Carolina. And that was at the tail end of Will Muschamp, right? Yeah. In fact, Will Muschamp was fired before that season was over, and Mike Bobo became the interim head coach and offensive coordinator. And then in 2021, he went to Auburn to be Brian Harson's offensive coordinator, and guess what? Once again, the head coach didn't make it all the way through the season. Well, wait. No. He did, didn't he? He got all the way to the end. Uh, Yeah, he got got fired this year. He just didn't make it to midnight after the Iron Bowl. Right. Or, uh, for what it's worth, Football Scoop reporting that uh, Zach Arnett has zeroed in on him and will bring Will Friend with him. 
who has spent the last two years as the offensive line coach at Auburn and was like two days ago hired by Memphis to be the offensive line coach there. Little uh, switcheroo there. Bobo and friend are like Mullen and Hevesy, tied at the hip. When where one goes, the other goes with him. Mm. It's, it's 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 a disaster. There's no other way to put it. You go you've gone from you know last night you thought you were going to get one of the more innovative, young, exciting offensive coordinators in the country to one of the most retreadiest retreads. A guy who at this point you're done pat you know patching the flat. You need new tires. Is just a disaster. And I, you know, message boards and social media are in flames right now. Nobody happy about this one. I can't wait to hear the spin on it because I don't understand how, in the year of our Lord 2023, you're going to sell me on Mike Bobo bringing bringing excitement. Everything he likes to do offensively is the opposite of what Mississippi State has built over the last three years. He is a run first coach. He is a pro-style coach. Will Rogers in, this, in a pro-style system? No. And Chris Parson in a, a pro-style? One of my first thoughts was, does Parson ask out of his NLI? Because this isn't what he signed up for. Going from... I mean, this is just... Yeah, we were, everybody was excited yesterday, and now everybody's just like, get to hunt a lot more. Going from... Kendall Bryles to Mike Bobo's like going from getting a T-bone steak at Peter Luger in New York City to microwaving a hot dog. I mean, I mean you you throw whatever analogy you want from it was good and now it's bad, and I will agree with it on this one. There's no defending it. I can't, I can't spend that. And there are people that, that are going to criticize everything that we've just said for the last nine minutes and mm-hmm. say... Wait and see, that kind of thing. Wait and see, wait and see. I've seen when, exactly. And I've that, seen that's it. The I don't counter. need to wait and you, see. I've seen the movie. I've seen it. You've got decades of sample size in this conference at better places. With all due respect to Mississippi State, you say I, I love Mississippi. Yeah. I'll defend it to the death. It's not Georgia. You don't have Georgia players at Mississippi State. You don't. And you can make arguments about Auburn and South Carolina differently, but still. At no point has it worked. Hey, I I, I don't want to... Th- this almost feels unfair. And forgive me if even asking this question out loud is unfair. But does this change? If it happens, if Zach Arnett and Mississippi State hire Mike Bobo to be at the offensive coordinator for the Bulldogs... Does it automatically change how you feel about Zach Arnett as a head coach? Yes. Yes. So, so the question is not unfair. No, not not to me. Every prediction I've made about next year being the up year, gone, flushed, gone, no chance, no chance. And that'll be twice. That'll be twice where State was poised to have the big year. And it's just taken away. Ceasefire text line. Please tell me this isn't happening. 
Another message from Chris. Arnett will be out in a year. Kelso at Ocean Springs. I just don't get it. Is there really no one on Mike Leach's staff who's capable of running his offense at least for a year? And the messages go on and on, and we'll get to them when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. So ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Uh, you got some messages that are uh, are popping up now, uh, and this is like very I, I don't know claiming to be in the know stuff, and maybe it's true. We're not hiring Bobo. Um, somebody said uh, based on what's happening on the message board and what moderators are saying, the overreaction about Mike Bobo is misplaced. Barstool is reporting that the rumor is gone. Okay. I mean, unless something's happened in the last 30 minutes, which is possible. You know, it's it's altogether possible. It is altogether possible that the backlash was so loud and so severe. That Might somebody have a little, little mini Shiano revolt here thing, going but on. but then you can't you can't let that happen either. That, no. that that's the catch twenty two here. If you're Zach Arnett and you have decided for whatever reason that Mike Bobo is your guy, you can't let mad fans on message boards stop you. That can't be what you do. If that's your guy, that's your guy. I, I mean, uh, unless Mark Keenum said, "I'm not signing that." So you have to hire somebody else because I refuse. If it's, well, the fans are mad, that's not reason enough to not hire somebody you believe is the best man for the job. Hmm. I get a message that says the administration listened to everyone. Do you believe that, hey, Dad? I'd like to believe that, but I mean that we. I think we all know that in, outside of very rare instances, that's not how things work in 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 the coaching world. So, yeah, we shall see. So, what are the? What are the options at this point for for Mississippi State? So, it, it, here's what here's what I will tell you that I know. Has happened, and then hey, Dad, you can tell me if this lines up with what you've heard, what you believe. Mississippi State has Zach Arnett has had conversations with at least three potential candidates for offensive coordinator. Maybe the number is more than that. We know very publicly that Kendall Bryles is one, and he turned it down. Chose to stay at Arkansas. Apparently, got a pay raise out of it as well. Um, I'm told that there's another candidate that really has not become very public that he talked to that also said, no, he wasn't interested. 
and now we're hearing about Mike Bobo as well. Um, there's another name that I've I think, heard floating around. I think the guy you're referring to in the second one is Seth uh-huh. Luttrell. Okay, Seth Luttrell, who is the former head coach at the University of North Texas. I think that's that would line up. I, I don't have a name to go along with whoever right. that person is. Now, Borky, right. there's a name that you mentioned this morning when we were talking. And I don't know if this is one that's been reported or it's a list or whatever. Hey, Dad, I screwed up the call this morning, and I finally just called Borky. I was like, I'm sorry, I messed up. Yeah, you, it was like new. Every day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll just leave. You're not going home. No, no, no. Take the rest of the day off. You don't need me. And I missed his first call because I was busy celebrating the three-year-old uh, using the bathroom again today. Three days in a row. Four days in a row. Four yeah. days in a row. So, yeah. yeah, so that's why I missed the first call anyway. So, weird day. There you go. Um, Kevin Johns, has his name popped up anywhere? Have people heard that name? Kevin Johns is currently the offensive coordinator at Duke under Mike Elko. They just had a really good first season. Prior to that, mm-hmm. he was the offensive coordinator at Memphis, worked under Seth Hinn- or uh, excuse me, um, worked under Ryan Silverfield for a couple of years and kind of – was right there alongside Seth Hennigan through his freshman year growing and performing and playing really, really well. I said to Michael Borky, hey, Dad, this morning, I'll be honest with you, if they're able to work it out with Kevin Johns, I'm not so sure that wouldn't be a better hire than Kendall Bryles if it works out. So this is not something where Richard's coming in and he's going to say good things or bad things about everybody because it's Mississippi State trying to hire an offensive corner. I'm just going to tell you what I think. Kendall Bryles, yeah. I think, would have been a good hire. Kevin Johns, I think, would be an outstanding hire. I think if they worked something out yeah. with Chris Hatcher at, at Sanford, that'd be a really good hire. That would be a – it might be a little bit of a risk, but I think it would be a calculated risk and it would be a risk worth taking. Mike Bobo, I think, would be an unmitigated disaster at Mississippi State. I agree or, with everything you just said. Or, or Auburn, or South Carolina, or Georgia, or Colorado State. Yeah. I mean, the proof is in the pudding there, for sure. Um, John's name has been a lot on the message boards, but I haven't seen or haven't heard anybody, you know, that I would take their word for bring him up. So I don't know if, if that's being, you know, let, let's talk about MSU for a second. They have done a good job in the past of keeping these names hidden from us, you know, and the names they throw out, <clears throat> excuse me, um, from time to time are, are not who they end up hiring. You know, that's been the case for the last few coaching searches. Maybe this is another example of that. Maybe it's just a lot of hysteria and it's going to end up being much ado about nothing. I just know that at lunch, somebody I trust, a source, if you will, made it made it seem like that was the Bobo was the way it was trending. Okay. You hope not. You, you hope not. And I do. Definitely it, hope not. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's it, some guys work out better at other places, sure. But when you've got decades of sample size, you, you hope not. Simply put, if you're a state fan listening to this, you hope that any of the other options that have been said on this show are hired before Mike Bobo. Mike Bobo. Any of them. And look, I mean, I, I appreciate those of you who are sending us screenshots of posts on message boards. I 
I don't really care what a moderator or a writer on a message board says. Maybe it's right, maybe it's not. But that's not where I'm going to get information when I'm talking about coaching searches. And and look, you can tell me that's wrong and I'm negative or I got an agenda or whatever, but I trust the people that I trust that I know. So, you know. And, and I trust Brian what I would say too. Is, what I would say is this. If Will Friend is announced at Mississippi State, I mean, it's it's kind of like We'll make a deep comic book reference here. It's kind of like the Silver Surfer showing up before Galactus, all right? He's the Herald. He'll let you know. Anybody else get that? Porky? Porky, get that reference? I do. No? That's okay. Oh, you, you do? Good, good it's okay, though. I get what you're saying. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, context clues put it together, one and two. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when... So I, I can't see out of my back window most of my backyard, only about a portion of it. So when I go to let Maverick in and he's covered in mud, I haven't seen the hole he dug, but I know he dug. So friend being hired would be me seeing my dog covered in mud, knowing that there's a hole out there somewhere. Yeah. If the Super Talk bus is, is at a, re- a remote and it's like close to 3 o'clock and you see me there, Richard's coming. He may not be there yet, but he's going to show up. Same thing. In fact, usually that's how it works, isn't it? That's exactly you, how it works. I get there about there an hour ahead. Before me. Yeah, I scope out the landscape and make sure everything's safe for you. Yes, that's. Uh, that, I appreciate you laying the groundwork. I'm in, your secret service. Of my yeah. arrival. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your messages are coming in hot and heavy. Uh, Hunter in Columbus. There is no way they are dumb enough to hire Bobo. Y'all wouldn't be saying this if it wasn't on a message board. No, it's because, as Haydad just told you, Hunter, he talked to somebody today that said it was trending in that direction. That's why we are talking about it now. Yeah. Did I see it originally on a message board? Sure. But did I immediately go and try to figure some things out? Yes. If we talked about every message board rumor on this show, we wouldn't have one anymore. Yeah. Well, we would not have any other content. We would just be constantly talking about things we heard on message boards. And it would almost always be wrong. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, not always. Not always, but a lot of the time. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We will uh, we will try to work our way through some of the messages that you have sent in the first 25 minutes of the show this afternoon. There are a lot of them. Uh, Lucas and Union says, "Why not Chris Hatcher from uh, from Samford?" I, you know, that's somebody that uh, that Cole Kublik mentioned when we talked uh, a few weeks ago um, that that he thought made a lot of sense. Now that was kind of with the idea of if you want to continue the air raid or at least parts of the air raid offense, that's somebody that uh, that might make some sense. Uh, but he's thought pretty highly of in the uh, in the coaching world. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We've got plenty more coming up. Some news to share with you when it, we come back. Not at all related to an offensive coordinator search at Mississippi uh, State. Some sad news, though, in the state of Mississippi. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. 
to Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by M Trade Park in Oxford. We are getting close to the start of the spring sports season. You'll have baseball and softball and soccer tournaments. And M Trade Park, once again, will be a destination for teams all across the state of Mississippi. You are working on putting the schedule together for a, uh, a team that you are involved with, whether it's coaching or you're a parent that is, uh, is helping. You can, uh, you can check them out. mtradepark.com. Find the full schedule of events that is coming up this summer. It all gets started, I think the first weekend in February is when the uh, events will start. And then they will go from February through the end of June. There is something happening at mtrade park every single weekend mtradepark.com if you're going to play play mtrade richard cross michael borky and brian haydad with you this afternoon we are uh, as always glad to be with you i mentioned before the break there was some sad news today in the state of mississippi and uh, that news is the passing of george bryan uh, george was a businessman uh, an executive and uh, family owner of Brian Foods. He later became the chief executive officer of Sarah Lee Foods, senior vice president at the Sarah Lee Corporation, and he is founder of Old Waverly uh, and then Mossy Oak as well, uh, two just spectacular golf courses in uh, in West Point, Mississippi. George Bryan, originally born in West Point in 1946, he attended West Point High School, then went to Mississippi State, completed his undergraduate degree in 1968 with a degree in business administration. George passed away uh, by what is being uh, ruled natural causes earlier this week. If you know George or the Bryan family, you know that his health had uh, had not been good for uh, for over a year. He uh, he suffered a stroke uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, had recovered to some degree from that, but had never fully recovered from that and uh, and just had an illness over the last few weeks that uh, ultimately his body was uh, was not able to overcome. We're going to spend some time with Jim Gallagher Jr. coming up to uh, to start the four o'clock hour. Jim was extremely close with uh, with George and the entire Brian family. Uh, and I'll let Jim uh, talk as much as he wants to uh, about George. But personally, uh, and, and I don't know, you you guys, uh, I'm sure, met George. Borky, I know you met him at least once along the way as we did a, a show at, at Old Waverly a couple of years ago. Hey, Dad, I, I don't know if you had any relationship with George Bryan. So this is, you know, personal to me. Um, I found myself, when I found out about his stroke uh, a little over a year ago, just like kind of overwhelmingly sad. And George Bryan and I were not close, but we had kind of become friends over the last couple of years. The, the, the first time I ever played Old Waverly, and I don't know when this was, probably late 90s, early 2000s, I remember leaving that place and feeling like, that's a magical spot. How is that in Mississippi? Everything about it felt perfect. The golf course, the maintenance, the way you were treated, the way you felt when you pulled in through the the front gates. Fast forward a couple of decades, and I'd had the opportunity to, I don't know, probably play at Old Waverly once a year, once every 18 months for, you know, the better part of a decade. About three or four years ago, um, 
My wife and kids surprised me on Father's Day with a membership to Old Waverly. And I'm rarely speechless. My job is to talk for a living. And I was absolutely speechless. And it was one of maybe the coolest and most thoughtful gift I have ever received. And that was Saturday night when they gave it to me, which was kind of odd, right? I mean, normally you would get a Father's Day gift on Father's Day Sunday, but the reason was, Jane said, we're getting up early in the morning, we're going over, we're going to have brunch, play golf, come back home, you know, just take it all in. And so we got there, and we were having lunch on that Sunday, on Father's Day, and doggone if one of the first people that I saw was not George Bryan. And he kind of walked up to the table, and he had a smile on his face. I said, George, Jane, he goes, I know all about it, Richard. He knew everything that happened. And Borky, so that that initial feeling that I described the very first time I played Old Waverly, and it continues to be the feeling today, when I pull through the gates there and I get out and go to the golf shop, when you interact with people, when you're having lunch or breakfast downstairs at at, at Murphy's, All the little things are right there. And the reason all the little things were right was because of the presence of George Bryant. He was there. And even when he wasn't there, his shadow loomed so large over that place that everybody that worked there, that everybody that played there, knew that there was an expectation that George had for how Old Waverly was supposed to run, and everybody was involved in the exact same way. And there is a feeling of excellence with everything that happens at Old Waverly, from from the staff to the golf pros, Greg Flanagan, who does an incredible job running that golf shop, two of the greatest teachers in VJ Trollio and uh, Tim Yelverton that you will find anywhere in America are longtime teachers at Old Waverly, and then to see George's vision across the street where he wanted more of a Lynx-style golf course in the, the Mossy Oak Golf Club come to life and took vision that, that you know, not a lot of people took in. George Bryan has meant an incredible amount, immeasurable almost, to the game of golf in the state of Mississippi. But it's not just the game of golf. George Bryan meant a ton to the business community, especially in the Golden Triangle, but to the entire state of Mississippi. And George Bryan, pull pull back the layers, he cared so much about his home state, the state of Mississippi. Long before the state flag was changed, Old Waverly was flying a traditional Mississippi flag. George thought that that was important for the business community and for the state of Mississippi moving forward. He cared about Mississippi State dearly, dearly loved Mississippi State, his alma mater. He was incredibly generous to Mississippi State Athletics and University as a whole through the years through through charitable giving. But you know what? George also understood the importance of, of Ole Miss and success at Ole Miss, whether it was 
like in the vein of Michael Jordan where he said, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too. I mean, he knew that Ole Miss people played golf at Old Waverly as well, but it was so much more than that. He had dear friends, not just in Mississippi, but all over the Southeast, all over the United States, and all over the world. And we, as Mississippians, lost an absolute giant, an absolute icon uh, today. And we... I, I, I'm going to speak on behalf of the three of us and all of us at Super Talk Mississippi. I hope it's okay to do that. We offer our most sincere condolences to his beautiful, sweet wife, Marcia, to his four children, Wilkes, Laura, Suzanne, and Nancy, to his grandchildren, and to all of those who had a relationship. Because if you had a relationship with George, you felt like you had a friendship and so all of those who had a relationship with George Bryan, we offer our most sincere condolences. And I hope when you have a, uh, a moment of quiet time this evening or this weekend, uh, you will either reflect or offer a prayer for the, uh, for the Bryan family for peace uh, in their loss of their father, their grandfather, their husband, a friend, a mentor to so many, and a man who meant so very much to the state of Mississippi. George Bryan passed away this morning in West Point with his family around him. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. I know both of you guys have, have spent some time at Old Waverly. Hey, Dad, not exactly a, a, a huge golfer, but has, has been to Old Waverly and on the property there and, and seen what a never, – never been? Never been. All right, well, you're going to go. You're, you're going to come with me, even if we just have lunch there, go have breakfast one day, whatever you want to do. You can ride along in the golf cart while I play. However we want to do it, you, you got to take it in. It's an incredibly special place. Borky, you and I played it a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, ran into uh, Vic Schaefer. We did. He was there. Uh, Nick Saban frequents the property, doesn't he? He's always wearing yeah. old Waverly shirts. Yeah. He wears an old Waverly shirt pretty often, yeah. Yeah, Nick, Nick Saban and, and George Bryan developed a, a really, really neat relationship. So you could the, see uh, somebody, I guess is what I'm saying. It, it's not just you going to eat at a really nice place, but you might uh, have a little celebrity moment, too. You uh, that That is absolutely a possibility. So thanks for indulging me on that. Um, uh, again, we offer our most sincere condolences to the, uh, to the Bryan family and the loss of George Bryan, a great Mississippian passing away earlier today. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll be back right after this. Super Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi.
Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Uh, Old Waverly itself had a, uh, a release today that it, uh, it sent out, and it says, It is a beautiful day at Old Waverly. The sun is shining, and the sky is an amazing blue. It is also a day of sadness as we lost our visionary mentor and friend, Mr. George W. Bryan Sr. Mr. Bryan passed away at home this morning, surrounded by his family. While we are sad, we are also thankful for an incredible life well lived, for his kindness, his creative mind, and his humble heart. He has made all of our lives better in so many ways. We are especially grateful that he is whole and healthy now. We ask for your continued prayers for the entire Brian family, especially his lifelong love, Marcia, their children, Suzanne, Wilkes, Laura, Nancy, and their grandchildren, John Wright, Sophia, Harrison, Sims, Rivers, Bess, George, Carlisle, Millie, Wells, Catherine, Hayden, Ben, Brian, and Charles. Arrangements are pending at this time. That's a bunch of grandkids, by the way. So, um, thanks for indulging us on that. Again, Jim Gallagher Jr. is going to join us to uh, start the 4 o'clock hour, and uh, we'll spend some time talking with him about his relationship with uh, George Bryant and what, what George meant to, uh, to the state of Mississippi, uh, the athletics scene in the state of Mississippi, but also uh, the golf scene in the business community and, uh, and their friendship as well. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Friday afternoon. We've got a Food Friday Coming up a little bit later, Brian Haydad has recently installed lights in his backyard that makes new grilling options innumerable. There is literally no limit now to what Brian Haydad can accomplish on the grill because he is not hampered by the comings and goings of natural light, more frequently referred to as the sun. You're going to be so disappointed when we get there. Are you not cooking this weekend? Oh, I'm cooking, but I'm not cooking out. Ah! Boo! I, am I mean, I got a request. What can I do? Yeah, it's okay. So we will uh, we will get to that with you in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll have the college football fix coming up a little bit later as well. We've got a national championship game on Monday night. Bruce Marshall will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got a busy couple of hours that are uh, still to come this afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. And yet, the uh, the thing that we talked about to begin the show is kind of what's dominating everybody's conversation right now, and that's offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Who is it going to be? A couple of names that... We know it's not going to be one in particular. How close did you think the Kendall Bryles thing, hey, Dad, was to being done? I won't say that I thought it was close to being done. I just thought that there may have been a point where he was heavily leaning towards coming to start. But in the end, Arkansas made him a, a, a good enough counter offer, and he just decided to stay. Was it surprising at all to you that that's how it played out? Not overly surprising because I felt like that was a big swing. You know, they 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 took a chance for for the grand slam, and and just and just missed on it. Uh, so not not overly surprising, uh, but at the same time, I, I did feel like it was trending that way. Yeah, that he was going to come to Starville. Do you have a gut feeling at this point as to where this ends? Sonny Dykes is available. I've heard. 
Sonny Dykes. I'm sorry, what? Is he? A, he's not available. He's working this weekend. I'll explain. Uh, I'll explain in the break. Um, I really don't. Wait, wait. wait you mean Sonny you. Dykes, the head football coach at yes, Texas I'll Christian University, that is playing for a national yes. championship on Monday? That's Sonny Dykes. He is available technically. You know, technically we're all available. Lane Kiffin's available, you know? Oh. New MSU offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a really good feel at this moment. Because the names that were being thrown out, a name like Mike Bobo, like just completely scatters your radar. Like I can't believe they got to him. Feels like they skipped over at least fifty guys to get there. Mike in Oxford points out that David Shaw is available. Oh, okay. That would be a bit of a change in offensive philosophy. From no tight ends to four tight ends. Have you ever seen an I formation with three running backs? I'm, I'm just saying that, you know. Two fullbacks, one tell, tailback, and three tight ends. I'm going to be the, the new strength and conditioning coach for the wide receivers because they got to put on some weight. Yes. We're all going to Taco Bell. Quick, check your phones. 30 seconds. Michael Borky sends us uh, a message. Are we not supposed to say this out loud or uh, something? You don't have to. I, I would encourage you not to, actually. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Sonny Dykes. I'll let, because uh, apparently Mississippi State has an unlimited bank account. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. And a mind control device. Next. Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. hour of Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks, as always, for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book of the Golden Moon Casino. You can be part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. But right now, we're going to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau Happy to be joined by uh, my friend Jim Gallagher, Jr., former PGA Tour player, works at the Golf Channel, uh, a guy that is not originally from the state of Mississippi, but uh, is by every measurable metric a Mississippian. And, Jim, I, I talked about this a little bit in the uh, the first hour of the show. This is a sad day for the state of Mississippi because we lost an absolute giant, a man who I know was a, uh, a dear friend of yours in George Bryan. Uh, absolutely. It is a sad day. And, and you know, he was one of the uh, true Southern gentlemen. He, he loved his family and he did more for the state, not just in golf, but just the business side of it and just the impact and influence he had on so many lives. He was so generous with his time and his efforts. And and I remember when I first married Sissy back in, in I think, in 88 or 89, Waverly was opening and and he gave us an honorary membership. And, and, you know, this is one of my favorite places to come at Old Waverly. I'm actually here now uh, sitting here and just, you know, the vision that he had to build a place like this, to convince the USGA to bring a U.S. Women's Open, 
uh, a U.S. Women's Am, a U.S. Mid Am, Women's Mid Am, and, and and put you know Mississippi on the on the map with golf, but just in business alone, and just the lives that he uh, he impacted, especially mine. He was so great to my family, and I will always uh, uh, I love the man. I mean, he was just a, a great man. It did so much for our state, and it, and it is a sad day uh, for his family, Waverly, and just our whole state as well. Jim. You obviously played on the the PGA Tour and and won there, and so golf has a a deep root in your life as the the son of a a PGA teaching pro, but it has become even greater as time has gone along because it's a family affair for for you guys. Sissy, your, your wife, inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, your children play golf. And I know because you've got three daughters and a wife that, that are so involved in the women's game, women's golf holds a special place in your heart. Amateur golf holds a special place in your heart. You mentioned it a second ago, the the U.S. Women's Open and then a U.S. Women's Amateur. And I, I think maybe we sometimes forget how big a deal those two events were and are. Absolutely. I just, I'll never forget when they said they were going to have the U.S. Women's Open here. And I was like, wow. And in the day I drove in, I think it was a Tuesday, I came into the junior clinic and I drove up here and it was like you were in any other major golf city uh, for a U.S. Women's Open. It was fantastic. And, and to be here in our state and, and for Mr. Bryan to have that vision and the ability to, to convince the, the USGA to come in here and showcase, uh, Old Waverly. And, and anyone that's been here and everyone that's ever visited this place, it's that feel of family and welcome. It's You walk in, you drive into this beautiful driveway, and you look up, and you're just like, you feel welcomed. Uh, you yeah. don't feel like no matter who you are, what walk of life you come from, you, you feel out of place. You always felt in place. And I think that's one thing Mr. Bryan really did a great job with. And, can, and, and you always, and I always did, I felt like this was a second home to me. And, and I felt like, and I think everybody that's ever come here and, and visited and played here felt the same way. And, and for us to be able to host a U.S. Women's Open, and, and Julie Inkster won. I sent Julie a text earlier today, and, and, and Nancy Lopez. And, and not even just before that, he would have so many things. Heather Farr, when she had, had passed away from cancer, he he had the tournament in her name, and, and he had the LPGA players coming in, uh, even before the U.S. Women's Open. So he had a vision like very few did, and, and that's what was the amazing part of it. And, and he gave back. And, and, you know, we can all talk about and take the things from the game, but he gave back to the game, and he gave back to our state. And, and he truly was one of the finest men I've ever met. Jim, I was I was texting with one of George's daughters earlier today and, and just kind of offering my condolences and letting her know that we were thinking about him. And her response really struck with me. It, for, for those, I guess, that, that don't know or maybe haven't heard, a little over a year ago George had a stroke, and it, and it really – it took away his ability to to move around and be what he had always been. And Nancy said in her text that that they have some peace because their father, husband, grandfather, friend is whole and healthy again. And for, for a man that was in a lot of ways, to many of us, larger than life, those are pretty powerful words uh, when when that ability to move freely and enjoy the game that he loved so much and the people that he loved so much was taken away to uh, to have that wholeness and, and that health again uh, as he makes his way to heaven is, is I don't know, I guess there is a certain amount of peace that goes along with that. And there's, let me tell you a story. When I was inducted into the Mississippi you know, Hall of Fame, uh, Sports Hall of Fame in August, 
he made his way and, 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 and they drove him down here in his wheelchair and drove him down to Jackson to be there for my induction. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it was just such a touchy moment uh, that he would do something like that for me. <clears throat> Excuse me for a second there. But it was just an amazing man that, that it didn't matter that he wasn't his normal self, that he took that time to be with me. And uh, I'll always be thankful for that. You know, Jim, it's it, it, I, I certainly understand the uh, the emotion and what uh, an incredible gesture that that he made for you and for your family. But other people saw that as well. Uh, it was spring break of last year. Our family went down there and had the kids. And before we were leaving, I sent him a text, just kind of wishing him well. And he said, "Well, stop by the house on your way out." And so I left Jane and the kids in the car, and I was just going to run to the door and speak and say, "Hey, thinking about you. Hope you're doing well." And he said, "Wait, your your kids are in the car?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Bring them in. Bring them in." And that five minute visit that was supposed to be turned into an hour and a half, where he was going around and pointing, you know, different things to the kids and see this and see that, and and it was just a gracious and kind of goes to your point from a moment ago of it it didn't matter who you were or how old you were or, or what you could offer. He was just welcoming. Yeah, there's a there's a picture of my son, uh, Thomas, who worked for him when they started Mossy Oak, the golf course, and he was caddying for him. It's a cool picture that Daniel Hayes took of he and Mr. Bryan on the 18th green, and I just cherish that picture and to think of the times they had together. I mean, he gave Thomas his first job, and Thomas worked there for two or three years. He watched it from the very beginning. Uh, and and any time you drove up, Mr. Bryan was hands-on in this job and, and you knew you know he was there uh and you saw him he welcomed everybody like i said it didn't matter he knew people that that so many influential people and in, in not just our state and in, in this country uh and to see him have the vision of both of those golf courses and 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 the, the like i said the impact of this area just the business alone in this part of the state and things that have come in here uh for this part of the state as, as well i mean it's just that's the amazing part is one man could have that impact uh, on so many. Uh, and, and like I said, he, he was old Waverly, and he always will be. And to see his vision, and, and we're going to continue that. And I'm sure his family will as well, as, as all the great things he did in, 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 in that future uh, parade. But like I said, there's a lot of people who may not got to know him, but they were impacted not only here, uh, not only the golf community, but the entire state. Jim, we got a message from Tim in Ridgeland on the, the ceasefire text line. He says, I was the economic development person at West Point when the devastating Brian Foods plant closing was announced in 2006-2007. And though George was retired at that point from Sarah Lee, it was his special privilege to work as they tried so hard to find an operator to save the nearly 2,000 jobs that were lost. That was George's commitment, not just to golf, but, but to his community and to the state of Mississippi. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he didn't want it to shut down, obviously, and he did. He he kept this this uh, this town going, and that's really the whole golden triangle uh, and, and that impact. And you've seen with the industry that's come in here, and he had a big part of that. And and of course, he had Waverly and and, and Mossy Oak, and, and people came from all over the country uh, to play and, and to visit here. And, and everybody left with that same feeling. It was such a great feeling of hospitality and family you, you know just I, I don't i have never seen anybody leave here not happy uh and that's one of the blessings we've had to be part of that and you know it's been a big part of my life especially uh you know when my daughter mary Lyndon played golf over here at mississippi state uh you know bj trolio teaching and timmy overton in the back i mean uh, this is a big part of my life even though i live in greenwood this is like a second home to me and uh i feel like i'm home when i'm over here too uh, and you just feel that sense of peace and 
and everybody around here, and he'll surely be missed by uh, by so many people. Jim, last thing for you, and, and I think you can speak to this as someone who has traveled all over the country and all over the world. George did the exact same thing. He was so incredibly proud and a great ambassador, not not just for golf, but for the entire state of Mississippi. Oh, absolutely. We lost a true Mississippi uh, Southern gentleman, uh, but we just have to celebrate his life and all the great things he's done and, and opportunities, and it gave us all to be able to dream that uh, you know we can do some of the things that maybe we didn't think we could. Like I said, you're bringing in the, a national open in golf uh, in this area and to keep the businesses going. I just think he had that vision, and uh, we owe it to him to kind of keep that dream uh, going for sure. Jim, you're kind to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon. I know it's an emotional day for uh, for you and your family, and uh, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. All right, buddy. Thank you. Jim Gallagher, Jr., former PGA Tour player, uh, close friend of, uh, of George Bryan's, uh, talking about the uh, the passing today of uh, a legend in the state of Mississippi, an icon in the state of Mississippi, George Bryan. What, a, what an incredible touching moment and you heard jim get emotional when he talked about the fact that uh even when he was not able to move very well uh george knew how important that mississippi sports hall of fame induction was and made his way to be there with the gallagher family sports talk mississippi we'll be right you're hearing sports talk mississippi what what this is so awesome on super talk mississippi All right, guys, so the NFL has approved a plan that leaves open the possibility of a neutral site AFC championship game and could determine home field advantage for a wild card game between the Cincinnati Bengals and Baltimore Ravens by a coin flip. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. In the wake of the cancellation of Monday night's Bills-Bengals game, the following scenarios based on Week 18 results were approved for holding the title game at a neutral site. These are the three scenarios where you could have an AFC championship game at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, and the Bills and Chiefs end up in the AFC title game, it would be at a neutral site. And finally, if Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins, Buffalo and Kansas City both lose, and Cincinnati wins, a Bills or Bengals versus Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. They needed a three-fourths majority, 24 of 32 owners, to vote to approve the change. The plan changes were made Friday over the apparent objection of the Cincinnati Bengals. And Coach Zach Taylor said that his team felt it was at a disadvantage by this proposal. He said it's important for the team to know that because, for the team to know that, because somebody's got to fight for you, it's clearly not coming from the league, 
it's nice to have our ownership and front office support the players like they have. That is important for us. Katie Blackburn, who is the executive vice president for the Bengals and is on the competition committee, said to the other owners in trying to convince them not to approve this, the proper process for making rule change is in the offseason. It is not appropriate to put teams in a position to vote for something that may introduce bias, favor one team over another, or impact their own situation when the vote takes place immediately before the playoffs. So, this is obviously a unique and unprecedented situation. And everything that Katie Blackburn said is true. But when you're dealing with an unprecedented situation, sometimes you have to use an unprecedented process to try to make it as fair as you possibly can going forward. Did the NFL get this right? Maybe that's the first question that we should ask. It's so confusing. Yeah, there are I mean, there are a lot of scenarios that are in play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pending yeah. the results of this weekend's games, I, f- I feel like I just need to see how it all works out before I can tell you if they got it right or not. And maybe that's that's unfair, but sometimes it's just that way. Sometimes you got to see how it works out to know if it was the right decision. It reminds me of something Nancy Pelosi said: "We got to pass the bill to know what." Holy in it. crap! What? Got to pass the bill to know what's in it. Remember that? Yeah, love that. But. I saw if Joe you had do you, do Michael you really, Borky. If, if you, you could hear the, if you had, if you had Michael Borky making a, as Nancy Pelosi once said, reference on on your <laughs> STM bingo card for today, you are a winner. We will send you a Polk's meat package and a free C Spire phone if you had that, and you got to prove it. Oh man, I saw Joe Mixon crying about this on Twitter last night, and I thought, man. Uh, how how fast we go from all that matters is Demar Hamlin's health to here's why it's not fair. I mean, it, what in a day? Like the the guy wakes up from dying on a football field, and a few hours later, you're complaining on Twitter about playoff scenarios. Uh, I mean, it's just I hate to be this callous, but shut up and play. It's an unprecedented situation, completely and totally unprecedented. the The league is trying to make it as fair as they can. Oh, but they had protocols in place for something like this. No, they didn't. It was about like if the like if the field got ripped up by a tornado, they would do this instead. Not if a game starts and a player loses his heartbeat on a field, has to get revived on the field and hopefully there's it's still not 100%, although today was another great day in his recovery. He is speaking now. Breathing tube mm-hmm. removed. Awesome news. But, I mean, they're trying. I hate that I'm defending the shield or whatever, but they're trying to do their best to make right a situation that nobody should have to deal with. It's nobody's fault. And they're trying to make it as fair as possible, knowing that the most important game of the season to this point, in terms of seeding and all that, cannot be played because a man, in effect, died on the field. 
I, I just I, I I can't sympathize with the complaining. Now let me ask you this: Are Zach Taylor and the representative from the Bengals? who are going to bat for their team and saying, hey, this isn't the right way to do this. You, you, can't, you can't make rule changes the week before the playoffs start. I mean, they're right for defending their guys, aren't they? Yeah, but defending them from what? In the... the even with the backdrop of what happened on Monday night, the goal of the teams that are still alive is to win a Super Bowl. And True. you play all season to try to get yourself in position to win a Super Bowl, and the easiest path to winning a Super Bowl is through home field advantage, and the Bengals mathematically still have a chance to get the number one seed in the AFC. And if they got that, they would have home field advantage all the way through the AFC title game, and now because of this rule that was put in place, they no longer have that option. Or, or, or right. their opportunity to have that depends on a lot of things that are beyond their control. And I, I understand that, but I mean, who's to say that if DeMar Hamlin's heart doesn't stop on the field, the Bills don't beat you that night? You never know? will know. Uh, yeah, so, no, yeah, we absolutely will never know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I guess the thing, so so if this weekend Cincinnati wins to get to 12 and 4, Buffalo loses to fall to 12 and 4, and Kansas City loses to fall to 13 and 4, they're not just going to go to winning percentage to determine the pecking order. That's not going to happen. Which is probably Which is normally what, what should would have happened. Yeah. I mean, we use that to determine... <laughs> because this is absolutely apples to apples. That's how we determine an SEC champion in baseball. Mm-hmm. Everybody's scheduled to play 30 games. Sometimes Mother Nature dictates that that is not possible. In the absence of everybody having an equal number of games where we just use record and then go into a tiebreaker scenario, if one team or multiple teams have played fewer games, their record stands and winning percentage becomes the determining factor. I'm not saying the AFC Championship and the SEC Regular Season Baseball Championship to determine who gets the number one seed in Hoover are exactly the same thing. But it's certainly not unprecedented in sports. I mean, good grief. To a certain extent, you already use winning percentage because there is a possibility in the NFL that a tie is in the equation because you have a system that doesn't dictate that you have to have a winner and a loser in a game. And this year you have four teams that have a tie on their resume. Indianapolis, who's been eliminated. Houston, who's been eliminated. The Giants, who have a wild card spot. And the Washington Commanders, who've been eliminated. Four teams have a tie on their record. And so winning percentage was already going to factor in. 
I'm not arguing for or against it one way. I'm just saying it's interesting, and ultimately that's what they chose. Yeah. And by the way, the neutral site has not been determined, if necessary. The Superdome won't be used in the playoffs, so they could play it there. They could. New Orleans pretty good event city. Well, generally speaking. I saw today that uh, Jeff Duncan, who covers the Saints, said that the Saints have not been approached about that. So, it, and That wouldn't make any sense. The, the basketball team is having to work with local law enforcement. This is how bad it's gotten there. Uh, because so many of their fans' cars have been broken into during basketball games that the team ha- has had enough and are saying it's not sustainable. Hmm. They had a press we'll conference back. today about it. Bruce Marshall's next. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi on a Friday with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Time for us to go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bruce Marshall joins us. The last time I think we talked to Bruce, he was in Switzerland. Have you made it back to uh, the good old United States of America, Bruce? Yeah, and good old uh, Nevada here. Good old Las Vegas. So uh, I am here and in time to watch this college championship game on Monday. What a matchup we've got. And we can, we'll can we get to the, the spread itself, which I've said since I saw, man, that looks like a lot of points. Maybe it's the right number. I, I don't know. But on the surface, when, when you think about the route to this point for both of these teams, I don't know that anybody's surprised that Georgia is here, and I don't know that anybody in America would have predicted back in September that TCU would be here. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just talking with uh, Brett and uh, Gabe up in Memphis, and, I, and we were saying there might have been 60, 65 teams we would have thought more likely to be here than TCU. Uh, maybe maybe 50 or so, but I mean, out of the Big 12, I mean, you wouldn't have thought... Uh, you know, TCU was going to come here. That, that, that thing did not end well with Gary Patterson. Uh, Sonny came in. Sonny, Sonny did okay at SMU, nothing like this. And it's pretty much, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the same guys that were there last year. Um, so early on, though, we saw TCU was better. I saw that first game against Colorado, and I didn't know Colorado was that bad also in the first game. <laughs> But uh, uh, Sonny, Sonny was actually going Chandler Morris, a quarterback. He's used three quarterbacks that first game. He used, he used uh, Morris, he used Duggan, and Jackson, the freshman. And <clears throat> Duggan came in after Morris. Morris then got hurt. Duggan took over. You talk about taking advantage of an opportunity and grabbing it and running with it. That's what Duggan did. But you're right, Rich. Uh, I don't think anybody saw uh, these guys here. And uh, that kind of makes it a lot more interesting, I think. We almost thought this couldn't happen in the modern day of college football, but here we are. You know, there was that stretch for TCU starting on October 1st where they beat what was then a ranked Oklahoma team, and Oklahoma hadn't completely fallen apart. They beat what was an undefeated Kansas team in Lawrence at the time, and that was before Kansas kind of fell apart. Then they came back home, and they beat Oklahoma State in that double overtime thriller where they were down big. And then they beat Kansas State, who ultimately beat them in the the Big 12 championship game, 
Where in the season, Bruce, did your radar go up? Did your antenna pop up and you go, whew, this TCU team really is somebody to watch? The Oklahoma game, because they eviscerated Oklahoma. I mean, they could have scored 80 points in that game, and it was just the speed. And we saw that speed. They look like a relay team in track, that Colorado game. Again, going back to the Colorado game. But you thought, wow, they got a lot of speed on this team. But you weren't sure. You see a lot of teams are fast like that. It's not a... It's not a four by one hundred relay. I mean, it's football. Um, but the Oklahoma game really got my antenna up, and then they kept surviving these games. And they were—you're right—they were hitting those teams. Kansas was hot at that point. I uh, hadn't lost uh, Oklahoma State. I don't think it lost at that point either. Um, and as the Big Twelve kept cannibalizing itself with all these other teams beating each other. Um, the one that stayed above the fray was TCU. They kept avoiding defeat, and that was a good way to put it because they had mm-hmm. a lot of games that were close. But uh, what I began to notice, and it was right about uh, that Oklahoma State game, they went on a string where in the fourth quarter they were dominating all these games and really coming back strong, and they, they were behind a lot of games. And the Baylor game, they had to wait to the last second to win that, but they pulled it out. So this team has a resilience, and part of it was, you know, Duggan just staying cool under fire. And you sort of like that in a team to be that resilient, and they certainly showed that this year. So on the other side, Georgia has – they have flashed an ability to be absolutely dominant, right? We saw it in the season opener in the win against Oregon um, – we saw it against Auburn after they kind of played with their food for a little while. We we saw a pretty dominating performance in the pouring down rain against Tennessee. They win the SEC title game against LSU. They beat Ohio State last week. What, what do you make of Georgia? Because there also have been a couple of games where you're like, eh, what are they doing with Kent State? What are they doing with Missouri? Yes. Uh, yes to all that. Uh, and I have been wondering. Uh, and I think my conclusion is they're not as good as they were last year, and that's not a surprise. I think we all kind of thought that. but uh, And that's not that big of a deal because I think too often we start comparing teams to other teams in the past and you know how great they are, and it's sort of unfair. All you got to do is beat the teams you're playing this year. Yeah. However, when that spills over into a perception about the team as far as what we're doing here with the point spreads and all, Rich, I think they've been sort of rating Georgia like last year. And I don't really think they should. Um, they're good. They're really maybe the best team in the country. Uh, but this defense isn't quite as it's not quite the generational defense we saw last year. I mean, Jalen Carter's good. He might be the first guy picked in the draft if the Bears get the first pick. Um, but last year's secondary, even though LSU threw for a lot of yards after that game was decided in the SEC title game, there ain't no way last year. Georgia would have allowed 850 yards passing across two games. And that's what this Georgia team has done. And you talk to some of these guys. I was listening to Scott Howard call that game last week, driving around in serious, uh, listening to him. He said, we just can't cover these Ohio State guys. And he said, that's a problem we've had all year. You know, big-time wideouts do it. The one thing about Georgia, there have been those games, though, when they just completely wrecked the opposition. And up front, I mean, the Oregon game, South Carolina couldn't do it. South Carolina could have played Georgia 15 times this year, and the score would have been the same every time. They just they just did not match up up front. They were dominated. So that'll to be seen. Uh, if, if that happens, if TCU just can't stand up to them up front, this thing could get one-sided. I don't think that's going to be the case because we saw TCU hang in there with a pretty rough and tumble Michigan last week. All right, so let me throw the numbers at you. Uh, it's moved just a touch. Georgia is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. 
They are a minus 455 favorite on the money line. Uh, TCU plus 345. And the total in this game is 62.5. Where do we see value? Where are we looking at making plays? Um, here's what I would do. I would play TCU plus, even though, like I said, these things often get one-sided. And they didn't last weekend. And that sort of boomeranged on me because I sort of thought the favorites would cover both those games last week, and they didn't. But history of these games has been uh, once the last four title games have been decided all by 15 points or more. Uh, uh, however, I think there's value at TCU plus that, plus the points. Uh, I think they're, the total is too low. Just the, the It'll be a fast track. Uh, we saw what happened last week. TCU is... TCU also doesn't really sit on leads. The one game that was different this year was the Texas game. Every other game has kind of been wild for them. So I, I could see this thing getting over the total. I might put a smaller bet just to have it on, on TCU to win the thing outright because you get a big price like that. That wouldn't be my first bet. Um, but the other note here is that that three three five defense that Joe Gillespie brought in from Tulsa, uh, and it's a, Mississippi State ran, ran a variation of that this year, um, and Georgia did pretty well against Mississippi State. But, uh, they do a bit different at TCU, and passing downs, they really flood the secondary with defenders. They go to J.J. McCarthy into a couple of mistakes last week that they ran back for touchdowns. Um, and that's sort of the way they do it at TCU. They can do that if you have to throw against them. So I think it's going to be important for Bennett to establish a run here and and, and to try to prevent those must-pass situations. Sometimes he's a little bit too much a gunslinger. He's trying to be like Dan Marino, you know, you know, threading the needle too much, and that could boomerang on Bennett too. So I think it's a dangerous game for Georgia. I think they can win. Not cover. So, in order, we like TCU plus the 12.5. We like yeah. over the 62.5 total, and then maybe just to kind of cover the bases a little bit sprinkled on the money line with TCU. Yeah, because if you like TCU, like a lot, and like the storyline, and they actually win the game outright, just so you feel better, you know, <laughs> if you have a bigger bet on plus 12.5 and, and they cover, and just a little bit on the the money line, you won't feel that bad. But it, it's, uh, it just make you feel better that you actually called an upset like that. But just do a little bit on that one. My only hesitation on this, Bruce, and I think I heard you, and we've only got about 30 seconds or so left, is I've been looking at this since the game ended and they posted that number 13. And I thought, man, that's a lot of points given what George has given up defensively in the last two games. And it feels like everybody's kind of thinking that, and sometimes when everybody's thinking one way, it ends up the other way. I agree with you. That scares me, too. I haven't talked to too many guys who like Georgia at this price, so I am with you on that one. I'm a bit scared, but I'll stick with my prediction. 38-33 Georgia was our gold sheet score forecast, by the way. 38-33, and if that's what we get, then hopefully we had a great game. Bruce, thanks as always for your time. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you for the NFL playoffs, which are now just a couple of weeks away. Always uh, enjoy the visits. Happy New Year, Rich. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. You can get his picks at goldsheet.com, donvest.com as well. Bruce Marshall joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll talk more about what Bruce said when we come back. But, guys, quick thought. TCU plus the 12.5, over 62.5. You like what you're hearing there? does feel like a big number. Yeah, it's a big number. It's a big number. But also, he pointed out that the last four championship games have been decided by 15 points or more. So, true. Don't know what we do with that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back to wrap up the 4 o'clock hour after this. 
the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. conversation with Bruce, if I had said to you guys, true or false, and you have only five seconds to answer, false. the last four games, the last four BCS championship games have all been decided by 15 or more points. You, I would have gotten go. it right. Last year it was 33-18, Georgia over Bama. The year before that, Alabama blew out Ohio State. Blowout over Ohio State, fifty-two twenty-four. LSU blew out Clemson. And you were LSU. What did LSU trail in that game? Was it seventeen to seven? It was. It was early, something like that. Yeah, and then they just destroyed them. Forty-two twenty-five was the final. All right. And the year and before that, Clemson just boat raced Alabama, forty-four sixteen. Yeah. And then the one year before that is the overtime game with Georgia and uh, Alabama. Yeah. Well, and you had three. The the second, third, and fourth college football playoff championship games were really close. Bama 45-40 over Clemson. Clemson 35-31 over Bama. And then Bama 26-23 in overtime over Georgia. Yeah. Mm. And the first one, of course, was Ohio State just obliterating Oregon. Cardell Jones and Ezekiel Elliott. So They didn't come to play school. Didn't come to play school. Man, what an outlier the 2021 championship game was where there were 14,926 in attendance. Holy. Crazy. Yes, crazy indeed. Uh, So, we just heard from Bruce. Kind of gave us some of his thoughts on the game and the matchup and the teams throughout the course of the season. We haven't spent a ton of time previewing this game. We'll do some of that on Monday. You guys got a gut here? Big one. <laughs> Drop the mic. We're done for the day. Sorry. We'll have to get to a uh, food Friday I on mean, Monday. We have, uh, that we have couldn't have been any more on the tee. <laughs> John Daly would have hit that thing 600 yards. And yet you somehow managed to hit it farther than that. I, I drove him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's 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 kind of where we are, right? It's it's Georgia wins, but TCU is going to make it interesting. I think that that makes the most sense to me. TCU is just they've come too far to get blown out. I think at this point. Worried about the lines of scrimmage. That's what I'm worried about. I I don't know if TCU is going to be able to do enough. At the lines of scrimmage. I mean, what's funny about football is it's changed so much. I mean, the forward pass was illegal in the advent of football. And then suddenly not taking a snap under center was innovative. Teams stopped using a fullback and people thought they were nuts and on and on and on. But still, even to this day, the games are won where? Right up front. And I'm concerned that TCU will not be able to do enough at the line of scrimmage to win the game, ultimately. 
Yeah. I I don't know if they'll be able to pressure Bennett like Ohio State did, and Georgia still scored a bunch of points on them. And, and I don't know if they're going to be able to keep Georgia off of – I mean, Michigan, despite getting scored on a good bit, they were able to get to Duggan some. Georgia's better than Michigan up front. They are. Have better athletes in the secondary than Michigan does by a lot. Is Jalen Carter going to be the best player on the field? Probably. Probably, but I mean that's most games. Yeah, well, that's you're you're right. Well, I just have this. Weird I just feel like TCU's. Feeling. I feel like TCU's speed is going to get them a couple of big plays. They'll 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 bust a couple of big plays in this game. Yeah, and what I mean, you look at um, the the wide receiver for for TCU is it Quinston or uh, Quentin Johnston? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quentin Johnston. He's got over a thousand yards receiving this season on oh whatever. I can't find it. There it is. Thousand sixty six yards on fifty nine catches and six touchdowns. I mean legit speed on the outside. And that Georgia secondary, I mean, calling them susceptible to the passing game over their last two games would be the understatement of all time. 500 yards passing by LSU. I know it was never really close, but still, but still 500 yards is 500 yards. And Ohio State's two best mm-hmm. receivers, and then another really good one, did not play for the majority of the game, and Stroud still threw for a billion yards. Now, what did he throw for, like, 380? Yeah, and Smith and Jigba didn't play, obviously, and he's their best receiver, or at least people thought going into the season. And then Harrison Jr. got knocked out. Yeah. Like Everything about me tells me that TCU keeps this game relatively close, but there's this thing just hanging out there in the back of my mind. I think it's 49-3 to against Oregon. It's just kind of hanging out in the back of my mind going, are we really going to be surprised if we get that Georgia? Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll start the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix, coming up next with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour on this Friday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, the 6th of January. We will be about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes from kickoff when we come back with you on Monday leading into the national championship game between TCU and the Georgia Bulldogs. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship golf courses in Philadelphia, Mississippi, the Oaks and the Azaleas. If you want to book a tee time or plan your trip, you can go online to Dancing Rabbit Golf and uh, do it all online, or you can give them a call, and you can find out about everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort at their website, pearlriverresort.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the C Spire text line, 601 879 
601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Quick message on the C Spire text line from Tim in Corinth. Don't know why you guys are so high on Georgia. I guess because you're just SEC people. No one gave TCU a chance against Michigan either. Not true. And let's not forget the almighty Georgia Bulldogs wouldn't even be in this conversation if the Ohio State kicker hadn't choked on the field goal. Is it really choking if you miss a 50-yarder as time's expiring? No. So go ahead and jump on the Georgia bandwagon like everybody else and go on believing that TCU doesn't have a chance of winning the game. The odds makers and the bookies can't give you an over-under on heart and desire, and that's where TCU has the advantage. That is from Irish Tim in Corinth. I have two two things. Two. Mm-hmm. One, I mean, when people call like heart and desire, like George is just going in there just, you know, just to mess around. Like Georgia wants to win too. They want to win back to back national championships. They want to do that. But two, I just said on this show I think it's going to be close. I would take TCU and I would take the points. I just said it. Since since we came on the Whoa. air on Monday. The, the thing that I have said over and over and over, Tim, is, man, 13 feels like a lot of points. Feels like a big number. Yeah. We've said that over and over. I this just week. said I think TCU will have some big plays because of their speed. All right. I think TCU is fine. I just think Georgia is better than them and will end up winning the game. I mean, Georgia, Georgia just went undefeated in the SEC, man. I, I mean... To think they're good is not a crime. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I, I notice this. Um, like, randomly, when a, a listener of ours will say something, like, to me on Twitter. And it's like, do you listen at all to what we say? Like, I bet you think Ole Miss is going to beat... Somebody said this to me earlier, deleted it too. He said, I bet you think Ole Miss is going to beat the crap out of state Saturday. Well, guess what? They're not. I was like, well... Why do you think that I think that? What in your mind has come up with the idea that I think Ole Miss basketball is capable of beating anybody badly? Where did you manufacture this thought? Just like this. Nobody thought TCU could win. What, were they like a one-point underdog? Uh, I know at least two of us. I don't remember your pick, Richard. Pick TCU to win the game. I did. On this show, these airwaves, this show, pick TCU to win. Nobody gave them a chance. Well, Georgia should have lost to Ohio State, but did they? I, just, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. Um. Speaking of Mississippi State, a five-point favorite tomorrow in Starkville against Ole Miss in basketball. What's the number? One twenty-two. <laughs> Under. How many overtimes? Let me tell you something right now. Right now, if you are within the sound of my voice and you have a mortgage, you could pay it off with a simple trip to our friends at the Golden Moon. You can go there, you can place a bet, and you can be worry-free. Student debt? Never mind, Joe Biden. Take care of it yourself by betting the under on this game. Car payment? It's done. And if you're like Richard and you got no outstanding debt, you just want to you want to multiply your millions, 
You can do that, too. Oh, brother, I wish you were speaking truth right now. <laughs> I can't tell you. I am speaking truth, I'm... except for that little bit, except for that little bit of, about you right there. Everything else I said was true. There is no human. If they, if these two 65, teams could play five, is over. They could play four, three overtimes and maybe not get to that. Sixty-five, sixty is over. It's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I bet neither team cracks sixty. I don't mean to be so cynical, but because it, it's literally my job, and, and I technically have to watch this game. But man, I am not excited to watch this game. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be hard to call this. But like, I've, there's an NBA game that I'm really looking forward to watching tonight, and it's it's got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the floor, right? And say what you will about Kyrie Irving's Looney Tunes self, he's an unbelievable shot maker, as is Kevin Durant. I'm going to go from from those two guys on the road to watching the basketball egg bowl, and I don't know if you can call them the same sports. It's not; it won't even be close. It's like going from watching eight and under flag football to to seeing the Super Bowl. It's just not the same thing. They use the Do same kind of ball, though. Dwayne and Brandon says, thanks, hey, Dad. My son just graduated from state. I will take that bet to pay off his student loan. To which, hey, Dad responded. I, I, yeah, I, I need I need an LLC something here. I need a, a liability uh, waiver, whatever. So, also, mm-hmm. tune into the game tomorrow. Local celebrity Brandon Walker will shoot the half-court shot at halftime. Really? Yeah. For a chance to win what? I don't think he's going to get to win anything. I think he just he's just doing it for for grins and giggles. Okay. He makes um, eighty thousand dollars a year. He doesn't need any money. Well, depends on how much outstanding debt he has, I suppose. That's a good, to your a good point, point. Just a, a moment point. ago. Yes, uh, yes. Let, let's squeeze in the college football fix right here. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Whether it's a 2022 or 2023 Ford F-150, you are going to love how it drives, love how it feels, love how it makes you feel, maybe. I don't know, maybe. 45 straight years is the number one selling truck in America. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Borky, you liked this story out of the state of Iowa, didn't you? I did, yeah. It's, it's honestly, uh, it's interesting on multiple levels because I actually believe every word of this, and it also goes to show you just how uh, recruiting has uh, changed. How it's changed. It's, uh, it was a quote from a long-form article in 24-7 talking to high school prospects that just signed extremely open about offers and stuff like that. One uh, prospect was talking about how a report said he was offered $2 million by Texas A&M, and he said, nah, it's more like six figures. But still, his answer was, nah, it wasn't $2 million. I wish it was $2 million. It was just, you know, about six figures. <laughs> so, anyway, I admire... not terrible. Oh, I said, it's a nice, uh, nice little chunk of change, but uh, don't tell Jimbo that he said that, because that's two years in a row where a player exposed his false narrative. Either way... This quote in this article stood out to me. This is from hold Caden on, hold Proctor. On. Let, me, let me interrupt you. Didn't expose his false narrative. Exposed his lie. That, that's Call it yeah. what it is. It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah, two years in a row now. But 
Caden Proctor, he's from Iowa, a an elite-level offensive tackle. Uh, he was committed to Iowa starting back in the summer in June, uh, committed to his home state Hawkeyes late in the recruiting process, I believe on signing day, uh, flipped to Alabama. And you know what everybody said about his flip to Alabama. Well, obviously they paid him more, and that's why he did it. Here's a quote from him. When these stories come out, I hope they understand that it wasn't about NIL because I'm not getting as much money as Iowa would have paid me. Mm. Proctor said he had thousands of people coming at him about the decision, saying it came down to Alabama offering more money, and yet Iowa actually had a better NIL package for him. I believe it. I do. I I absolutely believe believe it. I mean, I guess it could have been a dollar more or $100,000 more or $100 million more. We don't know. He didn't give us the specifics on it. But he says he could have gotten more to go to Iowa than Alabama paid him. Which reminds us, right, that there is an allure to playing at a place like Alabama for a lot of high school football standouts. And Georgia's another one that falls into that category. Short-term sacrifice for a better chance to have a more lucrative long-term future. Makes a ton of sense. And there's some guys that are still interested in winning a national championship and believes he's got a better shot to do that at a place like Alabama than at a place like Iowa. And the, the history would kind of bear that out. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll be right back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. You boys know what time it is? It's 521. It's time for a Food Friday, and Food Friday is presented by Polk's Meat. You can find Polk's online at polksmeat.com. And that's a great place to start if you want to find some recipes, if you want to see about all the different products that they've got. But that doesn't satisfy the appetite in your belly. Satisfy the appetite in your belly with Polk's Meat Products. you got to go to your local grocery store and find that blue and yellow and red label on the package that says, Picky People Pick Polk's. And you can pick their smoked sausage. They've got different flavors. The original smoked sausage, the Cajun smoked sausage, the garlic and green onion smoked sausage, or... You can uh, you can get their brown links. You can get their sausage dogs, their Cajun sausage dogs, or maybe it's some of the ham products, which are absolutely outstanding. Whatever it is that you're looking for, find it in the meat department at your local grocery store. And if you can't find it, find the manager of the meat department and say, "Hey, can we uh, can we remedy this situation? Can we can we start carrying Polk's meat products? Because picky people pick Polk's. I'm cooking tonight." I was uh, I, I was informed ish 
kind of informed that, hey, the kids uh, threw out a couple of different ideas. Uh, Jane uh, talked about doing pizzas tonight on the grill, and uh, then she asked the kids if they wanted that, and they were like, no, we want steak. So we're going to do some uh, we're going to do some fillets on the grill. Throw a couple of pieces of salmon on, as uh, as well. And you guys tell me if I'm wrong on this. I've kind of gone. I've found that that it goes farther and it seems to be enjoyed just as much as opposed to just cooking a fillet and then putting it on a plate and then you can eat the fillet. Like cooking them and then slicing them, and people are able to kind of grab the slices of them, and it's like easy to eat and simple, and seems to taste it. Am I am I wrong for doing it that way? We got any issue with that? There's no wrong way to eat things like that. just eat eat them whatever the way you like to eat them. Yeah. All right. So Jane picked up some uh, some fillets from you guessed it LB's this afternoon. Those are going to go on the grill. We need to have a we need a remote in Oxford soon. You need to make that happen so I can go by there. So you can go by LBs and pick up the uh, yeah. the promised care package the, for Brian Hayden. The care package that is that is awaiting for me. Yeah. Yes. I, I want to I want to get that. Yes, it will be prepared upon okay. arrival or at least shortly before arrival so that it's fresh and ready to go. But uh, yes. 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 We will uh, we will make that happen. So yeah, uh, fillets going on the grill tonight. I'll throw a couple of pieces of salmon on, and I've got two packages. I uh, don't know if I'm going to fix both of them tonight, but uh, two packages of Cajun smoked sausage that are in the uh, in the refrigerator. Those are going on the grill Ooh. as well. It is going to be a good. I might just come to night. Oxford. Goodness, come gracious. on, man, come on. Love to have you. You're welcome too, Borky. That's, that's a good. That's a good sounding meal. Borky's like, yeah, no thanks. I'm out. It's but you're welcome nonetheless. Uh, what about you guys? Hey, Dad, you said I was going to be disappointed in your cooking plans for the weekend. Yeah, you probably will be, but that's fine. Uh, because my youngest daughter, Emily, came to me uh, last week, and she was like, look at this. And it was a picture of a roast chicken. I was like, it's, yeah. I was like, she's like, I've never seen a chicken that looks like this. I was like, yeah, then when you roast them in the oven, that's what that's what they look like. And she was like, can well, you make kind this? Of that golden like, brown. Yeah. Uh, she was like, can you make this? I was like, yeah, I've I've made them before. Maybe not when you were alive. It's been a long time since I did a whole chicken, but yeah, I can make it. She's like, I want that. So it's roast chicken. We're doing the uh, TikTok Parmesan potatoes, and I got some broccoli. Just throw those in there. So the TikTok Parmesan potatoes. Yeah, it's, it's a recipe I saw on TikTok. It's a very popular. You take you, you take a uh, like a half stick of butter, melt it. You pour in like a half cup of Parmesan cheese or a cup of Parmesan cheese. And then whatever seasonings you use, I just use the Dano's original seasoning. Mm-hmm. And you make a paste, right? Okay. And you spread the paste on the roasting pan. Then you take your potatoes, got some Yukon Golds, cut them in half, and then you score them like a tic-tac board, tic-tac-toe board. And you put them face down into the the paste. And you just roast them. And they get that cheese, butter, seasoning thing crusts on the potatoes while they cook. Ooh. And so, yeah, it's really good. I've done it before. It comes out really, really good. Okay. Is this a uh, a Saturday meal or a Sunday meal? That's not because yeah, because we got we got we got a game tomorrow, so no, it'll be Sunday. Okay, that's a Sunday meal. Borky, what is the uh, the cooking plan at uh, Casa de Borque this weekend? Well, I'm gonna look for trout, and I know that's probably hard to find around here. Uh, that there used to be a seafood market by my house and it's not there anymore and that's that's disappointing because they had great selection and it's just a shame stuff like that just doesn't that work around here I, I hate that and I hope they have success elsewhere but 
If I can't find that, which trout is the best, just light. I mean, you can do so much with it. Good. Um, I'm going to make a, uh, what is it, a penne pasta. But what you do is you get a, a baking dish and you line it with... Uh, penne a la bourque. Yeah, there it is. Uh, with cherry tomatoes and a big block of feta. <laughs> and you put a bunch this. of olive There's another TikTok there. recipe. So, uh, a little salt and pepper. A good bit of pepper. More pepper than salt. Um, melt that feta down pretty good and crush the tomatoes and then mix it all up. Put cooked pasta in there, maybe some shrimp. If you're feeling a little spicy, some sausage. And then mix that all up. It's very, very easy, and you feel like you're some master chef, and it takes very little effort. So are these TikTok recipes approved by the Chinese government? I watch YouTube yes. shorts, man. That's an American thing. <laughs> yeah, you can just watch YouTube shorts, but... Yeah, the, the Chinese, they, they want us to eat as poorly as we possibly can, as much cheese and butter as we can shove down our throat. All right, so on the Ceasefire text line, some of your cooking plans for the weekend. Country ham, biscuits, red-eye gravy with white beans, and a side salad. That uh, is from J.D. in, it says Eudora. Is it Eudora or Eupora? I'll go with Eudora. Since it's it might be Eudora, Chinese Arkansas, type. right? Uh, Okay. All right. Uh, No pick, sorry, but stopping at Flora Butcher on the way to the deer camp to pick up a big, fat ribeye. That kind of sounds like a winning combination for the weekend. It's a good place Uh, to get it, too. Yeah. Uh, Hunter says, my uh, my cooking plans sound good. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, I diced up some Polk's sausage in with my cabbage on New Year's Day, and it was freaking delicious. That's the message on the ceasefire text line. That's the way to go. Yeah. Um, Barry and Collins. It's jumbo shrimp, mixed vegetables, and cashews on the grill tonight with some shrimp fried rice. Yum. Okay, okay. I was wondering where the cashews fit into that, but if you're making fried rice, yeah. Okay. Like it. Uh, Tyler and Brandon Borky suggest that you go to Whole Foods for your seafood. Yeah, I go to both of those places. They just their selection was not near as good as this this market I used to go to. Dwayne and Brandon says grilling salmon on cedar board, bacon wrapped asparagus with twice baked potatoes, and of course Polk's Cajun sausage and cheese for an appetizer platter. Yes, sir. Yes, bacon wrapped asparagus, the king of vegetables. Uh, Borky, uh, Mike, suggests that you take out that new fly rod that you were telling us about and go to the Pearl River and catch yourself some fresh trout. <laughs> Man, there, there's a, a, a river. I forget what it's called at this point now, but it's in Birmingham. and The Mississippi River? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, but but in college, I, I drove over a handful of times to, to go trout fishing for whatever reason. I guess it's well I, I The water's cold, and this one stretch of river, and they would stock it with rainbows every year. I'd go catch trout. Over in Birmingham, naturally, or not naturally occurring, man-made cold water where trout lived year-round. It was awesome. Somebody needs to do something like that around here. Keeping the water cold's the issue, though. My buddy Gary Darby, who is a global traveler, reminds me that uh, Eudora is in DeSoto County between Hernando and Tunica. Good. So it is Eudora. Thank you, J.D., and thank you, Gary Darby, for setting me straight. Uh, making a catfish and sausage gumbo tonight for tomorrow. Ooh, that sounds great. 
Got a couple of bags of the tin bean soup mix for my New Year's ham bone. So held on to the ham bone, going to make the uh, soup tonight. Very good. Uh, yeah, a couple of folks reminding us, uh, letting us know where Eudora is. Um, Steve in Brookhaven, your recipes cost more than the cover charge at Walmart. <laughs> Okay. None of them really sound that chicken. expensive. I'm honestly. eating a chicken, man. What do you want from me? A chicken was like 10 bucks. I've got a $5 box of pasta and a block of feta and some cherry tomatoes. What, what are we talking about here? Mm, let's see here. A cross between Malcolm's and Heath Ryle's ribs and some Saban uh, pork sausages. Like it. Yeah. yeah. Michael checked with Duggins and Gluckstadt. They may have speckled trout available. Yeah. Need to uh, expand my my options apparently. Uh, Jerry in Waynesboro says that he is getting the magnolia sliced hot sauce okay. available from Polk's. You can uh, find that on their website at uh, Polk's Meat. Whatever your cooking plans are this weekend, we would encourage you to include some Polk's because no buts about it, folks. Picky people pick Polk's. We will return to the Mississippi State football conversation next. Take the friggin' wax out of your head. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Standing in the rain with his head hung low. Couldn't get a ticket. It was a sold out show. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can add Genteel to your closet. You go to their website, genteelapparel.com, and order whatever you like. Golf shirts, pullovers, quarter zips, some heavier weight stuff, some lighter weight stuff. Their performance pants are incredible. They are super lightweight, got just a little bit of stretch to them, incredibly comfortable, and they look great also. Uh, if you don't want to shop online, you want to see the products for yourselves, you can uh, check out a bunch of uh, stores across the state of Mississippi that carry Genteel products, uh, Genteel products, including Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg, Abrahams in Indianola, the Willunder, in Brandon, Mile 363 in Natchez, and T. Sappington and Company in New Albany. Gentileapparel.com. Well, it is official. Mississippi State has hired a new offensive line coach, Will Friend, who played and was a four-year starter at Alabama and was later named to Alabama's all-decade team, the team of the 90s. Um, began his coaching career in high school, worked as a GA at Georgia, has had a bunch of different stops, including offensive line coach at Tennessee and offensive coordinator at Colorado State from 2015 until 2017, offensive line coach at Georgia 2011 to 2014. He was recently hired by Memphis to come in and be the offensive line coach of Ryan Silverfield's staff but was swept away from Memphis by Mississippi State to come and join Zach Arnett's staff as offensive line coach. Uh, Considered to be an outstanding recruiter, uh, veteran coach of the SEC. This is a nice addition to the staff for Zach Arnett. Now, Michael, uh, 
Borky and I heard Brian Haydad say earlier today that Will Friend has been loosely attached at the hip to Mike Bobo at a lot of stops along the way. And Brian Haydad also said to you that if you indeed get an announcement that Will Friend is coming to join Zach Harnett's staff, that it could signal that Mike Bobo is also going to be joining the staff. We don't know that those things are 100% tied together. We will have to wait and see. What do you make, though, of, as a standalone, Will Friend being added to this staff? Been around the SEC. Uh, you know, obviously very familiar with it. Uh, has held good jobs. Known as a good recruiter. A Mississippi guy. Yeah. I always find it interesting that, you know, I always wonder how Mississippi guys will recruit when they didn't go to school in Mississippi. That's just something I always wonder about. Like, how do you, how do you sell them? You know, you went to Alabama. Why shouldn't I go there? Uh, but that being said, at every stop he's been, been to, he's been a good recruiter and I'm sure he'll be one here for Mississippi State. So on the surface by itself, this is a, this is a good offensive line hire. I liked Mason Miller. I thought he had done a great job the past few years. Uh, with Mississippi State's offensive line, you know, I thought they navigated the the departure of Charles Cross this past year really well, and you know, navigated some injuries in the middle of the season and put together what was a really good offensive line for Mississippi State. But <clears throat> apparently, he'll be moving on uh, as well, and Will Friend will take that spot. Friend out of high school was a parade all American at uh, Neshoba Central, and uh, mentioned a second ago went on to be a four year starter at Alabama, where he graduated in uh, in 1998. Th- there is one thing to me that is kind of interesting here, hey, Dad. Zach Arnett has, before hiring an offensive coordinator, made changes to his staff and has brought in an offensive line coach and a wide receivers coach. Now, it's two guys that are thought very, very highly of in the profession. And Will Friend to coach the offensive line, Chad Bumpus, Mississippi native, Mississippi State standout to come back and coach wide receivers. But it's a little bit of an interesting dynamic where you're saying, hey, come be the offensive coordinator, and by the way, the staff is already filled out, as opposed to you're going to be the offensive coordinator. Let's talk a little bit about who you would like to work with, what even if it's not specific people, you know, what type of people you would like to work with. And and, and like I think I said this the other day, no offensive coordinator is going to come in and just get full autonomy to hire whoever he wants, right? The head coach is going to put together his staff. Right. And I think with Bumpus, because he's a bulldog and it, and, and has been trying and wanting to come back, that's a, that's a hire that was kind of made independent of the offensive coordinator. I can't help but think that at this, especially at this part of the process, as we're you know getting closer, you've got you've got official visitors on campus this weekend from from the transfer portal. I can't help but think that this offensive this this hire was made in conjunction with or with the knowledge of a potential offensive coordinator. Now, like I said earlier, you know, friend and Bobo are very very connected to each other. They've worked together many times, but that doesn't necessarily mean. That it's for sure Mike Bobo, because Will Friend is a good offensive line coach. He's held numerous jobs. His resume kind of speaks for itself. Most offensive coordinators would be pretty happy to bring a guy like Will Friend onto their, their staff. So nothing's ever done till it's done. I definitely think it's it's a it's a, a a hint towards Mike Bobo, but 
We'll see. But I, I have to think that at this point in the process, whoever they're going to hire, approve the hire of, of Will Friend. Yeah, and, and, and doesn't it feel like we would be naive to think that while Zach Arnett was courting Will Friend to come and be his offensive line coach, they had conversations about, okay, well, who, who's going to be my boss? I mean, I know you're ultimately my boss because you're the head coach, but in terms of right. day-to-day, who, who am I going to be working with? Who am I going to be working right. for in terms of a coordinator on this side of the ball? Absolutely. Absolutely. The questions would come from both sides. You, you, would, you would think friend would want to know, because friend you know, has to know, hey, what, what am I going to be? Am I, am I a fit for how this, they want to coach the offensive line here? You know, there are different right. ways to coach offensive linemen, and and if you're gonna if, you're, if I coach this way and we're gonna teach them, this, then what am I doing here? You know, and don't forget That's about why Mason personal. Miller fit in really well with. Don't forget about the personal, too. If a guy that's been around as long as Friend has, what if there's somebody yeah. that they could hire that he doesn't want to work for exactly. for personal reasons? You could have an, an anti-Mike Bobo situation. He's like, wait a minute, you're hiring that guy? No, never mind. So, yeah, That's twice, by the way, in three years, State has poached a coach that had taken another job. Zach Arnett being the other one. Where had he, where had he agreed to go? He had agreed to be the defensive coordinator at Syracuse. Oh, that's right. And uh, got offered the Mississippi State job and took it. It was going to be on Dino Baber's staff at Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Decided to come to the SEC instead. And that's worked out well for Zach Arnett because he is now a head coach in the Southeastern Conference. Um, Borky, what about on the Ole Miss front? I mean, this is a, uh, you, you mentioned a second ago, or I guess Haydad mentioned a second ago, official visitors on campus at, uh, at Mississippi State. Ole Miss got the same thing going this weekend. Yeah, there's, uh, so what's interesting, there's, there's possibilities of two. Ole Miss just lost their defensive backs or their cornerbacks coach to Purdue. Sam uh, Carter? Yeah, it makes me wonder if, because it's Purdue, because look, let, let's be honest, we, we don't have to be candid or embellish. Ole Miss needs to make changes defensively. A pro- probably a lot of them. They need personnel changes, like on the team. They need coaching changes and probably a scheme change. I mean, when you haven't had, like, a top 70 defense uh, since the Hugh Freeze era, you've got to make changes. I mean, Sam Pittman was basically taunting them in his halftime and postgame interview with how they lined up defensively. He was being nice about it and all that, but he was basically saying it was a numbers game and they never adjusted, so we just kept winning the math problem over and over and over again, and they didn't do anything about it. It was embarrassing to listen to, or at least it should have been if you were them. A lot of changes need to happen. So losing cornerbacks coach, but on the Arkansas front, Jalen Catalan was possibly going to be visiting Ole Miss this weekend. But he has been or is still at Purdue, where his former coach at Arkansas was that old Miss who is now at Purdue. So it is a <laughs> a bit of a portal triangle. I got a Oklahoma State yeah. wide receiver uh supposed to be in town this weekend. Uh I, I talked to my buddy Zach Barry earlier. There's a, a defensive end from Ohio State that's possibly visiting this weekend. Uh guy that hadn't played a whole lot for the Buckeyes, but they need defensive line depth, especially at the end. And he's six foot six, two hundred and fifty-five pounds, and plays rush end, and has gotten into their rotation some, just isn't a starter. 
Uh, we talked about the quarterbacks yesterday. Tied in from Memphis that you asked me about earlier. He's supposed to be uh, visiting this weekend. What? Up in the air right now, but a lot of guys visiting nonetheless. I'll be honest with Catalan. Love him. Good player when he's healthy, but when is that? Just so injury prone. Twenty twenty season. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Poor kid. So in terms of visitors this weekend, Ole Miss is expecting or people are expecting Ole Miss to host Mike Wright, the quarterback from Vanderbilt, Brady Allen, the quarterback from Purdue, Caden Priestcorn, the tight end from Memphis. And we'll see about Jalen Catalan now at this point, and then Bryson Green, the wide receiver, Borky mentioned from Oklahoma State, and Javante Jean-Baptiste, the Ohio State defensive end. We'll be back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. One last time with you on this Friday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Big slate of games tomorrow in the SEC. Vandy and Missouri at 11 Central on CBS. Kentucky and Alabama on ESPN at noon. Georgia, Florida's at noon on the SEC Network. 1 o'clock in Starkville, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. How about this broadcast crew? Brad Nessler, Bill Raftery, and Jay Wright. Tennessee, South oh, wow. Carolina is at 2.30 on the SEC Network. LSU A&M is at 5 on SEC Network. Arkansas and Auburn from Auburn tomorrow night, 7.30, also SEC Network. Neither uh, team will spoil Bill's gimmick either. They'll all come out. Man to man. Um, 267th meeting all time between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I believe that is the 11th most played series in NCAA Division I history. Um, Mississippi State comes in 11-3. and They are 0-2 in the SEC. Ole Miss comes in 8-6. and They are also 0-2 in the SEC. Uh, going back to November 27th, Ole Miss um, has kind of had it going in the wrong direction. After a, uh, a fast and Fairly solid start to the uh, the regular season. They've lost three in a row, four of the last five, uh, including North Alabama to close out the uh, pre-Christmas schedule, and then losses uh, by Tennessee uh, to Tennessee at home by four, and on the road to Alabama uh, by twenty-two this uh, this past weekend. So key to the game: who can stink less offensively? And I'm I'm only being somewhat sarcastic. It, it truly is that you know. Despite the flaws in Oxford and Kermit Davis's tenure, those dudes haven't quit on him yet. I mean, we said it last year as well. They went four and fourteen in the league play, and, and my gosh, man, they couldn't score on anybody, but they, they didn't give up. And you're seeing that here as well. I mean, again, it, it's worth nothing. It's a scoreboard business, but I don't expect Ole Miss to lay down and not defend and play hard tomorrow, despite. It feeling pretty pretty gloomy. State obviously in the first year, different circumstances, but they play good and hard defense. So, very simplistic analysis: who's going to make shots? Because you can't count on both teams making a high volume of shots. So, if you do, you probably win. 
Hey, Dad, sold out tomorrow? Expecting big crowd? Uh, State State tweeted out earlier only 500 tickets or less than 500 tickets remain. Okay. All right. Mississippi State leads the all-time series 147 to 119. The two programs have split the last 10 meetings at five apiece. Mississippi State looking to reverse a recent series trend where Ole Miss has won the first meeting between the two schools over the last five years. So five straight years where Ole Miss has won the first matchup and Mississippi State has won nine of the last eleven. Yeah. Wow, it's crazy. I said I said last year on this show that if you know if Allen were still the coach. That I would, I might bet everything I own that Ole Miss wins the first game. I'll give Jans a chance here before I, I see what happens. Isn't the point differential in the last ten uh, zero? Something like it's maybe not the last ten. It might be like the last six. But yes, it's it's literally zero. Last six is zero. Yeah. yeah. We mentioned it earlier. Mississippi State is a five point favorite. The total in the game is one twenty two. Okay. Bet, bet the under. You think that's the play? You, you think betting the under is the play? I just, I can't see these two teams combining for 100. You said 122? That's, no. I mean, 122. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. As you look around the SEC tomorrow, Missouri is a nine-point favorite at home against Vanderbilt. I uh, don't see a line on Kentucky-Alabama right now. Uh, a couple of games don't have lines that I see yet. Um Mississippi State, again, five-point favorite over Ole Miss. Only a couple of games actually have lines that are posted at this point. So uh, we'll see. could be a, a fun day. A couple of games that really stand out. Uh, you're, you're curious about Kentucky at Alabama. Uh, Alabama off to a 2-0 start in the SEC. Kentucky has been incredibly average so far this season. They are coming off a home win against LSU. Uh, Arkansas at Auburn could be really, really fun. That'll be a great environment tomorrow night in uh it's now. It's no longer Auburn Arena. It's now Neville Arena. Ooh. I missed that note, uh, note somewhere along the way. Is that a company so, or a dude? Uh I would guess a person named named after Aaron Neville. Ah, you thought he was an LSU fan. You were wrong. You were wrong. Now you know. That uh, that is going to wrap it up for us on this Friday afternoon. I will tell you this, guys. I was really encouraged. I walked outside or out in the hallway during the five o'clock break and looked out, and it was like completely still daylight. Days are getting longer. We're getting there. They're, they're getting, getting longer. There. Springtime before we know it. Hope you uh, enjoy the weekend, whether it's uh, basketball or around the grill. Don't forget to add the Polk's sausage. Do whatever it is that you're cooking this weekend because picky people pick polks. Look forward to being with you on Monday. Perhaps Mississippi State will have announced an offensive coordinator by then. We shall see. We'll see how recruiting visits go this weekend and a, a basketball game that we will unpack on Monday afternoon. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios, I'm Richard Cross. Have a great weekend. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.